Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book 4 The Black Castle by E.M. Clarke Read by Lexi Chapter 2 Hoodwinked The twins Zelly and Zav Sinclair and their friend Milo Wheeler lived in Clipper House on Upper Strand in Sandopolis. This bustling city is near the Great Line in the middle of the earth where it's always hot. Along with their cousins, Sam and Sophie Arden, they had formed the Super Sleuths, solving all sorts of mysteries. They'd got the idea to be detectives from an old book about Sherlock Holmes that had been given to them by Milo's father, Captain Jett. He was a sea captain and picked up many exciting things on his travels in his ship, the Golden Ram. The sleuths live in a time where much of the technology we have and take for granted has been lost. Sandlandia is a world where books are rare and precious and transport relies on ships with no cars or aeroplanes. There are many mysteries to solve in a land where pirates are a daily threat and the sleuths had found themselves in the middle of some very exciting adventures indeed. They are ably assisted in solving their cases by their mariki monkey, Rafa, as well as Anna and Damaria, two magical parrots of flambeau, who belong to Zelly and Sophie. On this particular day, the sleuths had been invited to the Palace of the Flowers, the home of Sandlandia's ruler, King Lucio. The magnificent white building is situated right at the top of the city of Sandopolis and looks down over its subjects. Princess Rachenda is the daughter of the king and queen, and she had become close friends with the sleuths when they had rescued her from the evil Prince Igor in his first attempt to seize the throne. This meant she could never leave the palace grounds for safety reasons, but after the sleuths had retrieved a cargo of stolen gold during their last adventure, Super Sleuths and the Smuggler's Gold, they had been given freedom of the palace by King Lucio as a reward. This meant they could run freely in the large gardens and the maze, going anywhere they pleased. The princess loved their company. It was rather boring being a princess sometimes. When the children arrived on this particular day, they suggested a game of hide-and-seek. The Palace of the Flowers had beautiful gardens filled with many hedges and large plants, and there were thousands of hiding places. OK, let's form two teams, suggested Zav. Me and Zelly will be on first. We'll count to a hundred and then, ready or not, here we come. Richenda and Milo took to their heels. This way, the princess whispered. I found a perfect hiding place. They skirted around the maze and Richenda pushed her way into a hedge which parted easily then sprung back behind them. Milo looked around. They were in an area of dappled shade. It was sandy underfoot and they were surrounded entirely by the greenery of the hedge. There seemed to be no way in or out. Great hiding place, Milo whispered, giving the princess the thumbs up. How did you discover it? I fell against the hedge by accident, and it let me through and then sprung back, the princess explained. Shh, I think I can hear them coming. Richenda and Milo sat perfectly still as they listened to the approaching footsteps of the twins. However... They walked right past their hiding place without even a glance towards it. Richenda and Milo grinned and settled down to wait for the twins to announce they had given up, which they soon did. Richenda and Milo returned in triumph to the terrace, laughing at the twins' astonished faces. 
These gardens are so great for hiding, they make the seeking nearly impossible, remarked Zav with a grin. Everyone laughed, and Richenda suggested they have an ice cream break. This was agreed to very enthusiastically, and they were soon tucking into mango and coconut ice cream. Suddenly, the expression on Zelly's face changed, as if a cloud had descended on her normally sunny features. What's the matter, Zelly? asked Richenda, seeing her frown. I don't know, said Zelly, closing her eyes in concentration. I'm getting that feeling again, that something's wrong. The others looked alarmed. Zelly sometimes had this feeling, and she had never been wrong before. Is it at home? asked Zav. Yes, Zelly replied distractedly. I'm sure it's to do with home. Why not send Anna? suggested Richenda, who was also the owner of a magical parrot of flambeau. Her parrot was called Abatha, and she had been fluttering in the trees with Anna, Zelly's parrot. At the princess's suggestion, Anna immediately fluttered down to her mistress. Zelly stroked Anna's emerald green feathers. Anna, she said, looking into the bird's intelligent face, please fly home and check that everything's okay. Roger that, twittered the parrot, and she zoomed off into the blue. Let's go and see Clarence while we wait for Anna to report back, suggested Richenda. He might have felt something too, and I've also got someone else to introduce to you. The sleuths were intrigued. Clarence was a dragon who lived in the moat of the palace. He had been sent to protect the princess and had special dragon powers of his own, but he was now getting old and increasingly cantankerous and bad-tempered. The sleuths wondered who else Clarence would put up with. As they made their way through the gardens filled with flowers, hummingbirds darted about from plant to plant, their tiny wings beating fast, and the tall palm trees swayed in the breeze. Soon, they came to the thick trees which kept Clarence safe from prying eyes in his red cave by the swampy moat. Clarence was huge, even for a fully grown dragon. He had a long tail and his body was covered in rough green scales, though the patches of brown were becoming bigger and bigger and he seemed to be even more wrinkled than the last time the children had seen him. As they approached, Clarence opened one bleary eye. The children bowed deeply to him. Greetings, Miss Zelly of the House of Sinclair, he said to Zelly in his ancient, worn voice. And welcome to your friends. I wondered when I might see you again. He paused, looking at her intently. You are disturbed? Yes, replied Zelly, gazing up into the dragon's amber eyes. I feel something's wrong, but I don't know what. The magic is strong in you, Clarence replied. I have also felt a disturbance, a ripple of evil in the atmosphere, but it is not clear. We will have to wait and see. Well, while we wait, will you blow us some fire? asked Zav, hopefully. Zelly nudged him, and the dragon looked at him with disapproval. Oh, go on, Clarence, please, asked Richenda, smiling at the ancient creature winningly. Oh, if I must, I must. The dragon sighed heavily, and a small blast of fire came out of his mouth, making Richenda's parrot Abatha flutter higher into the trees. Before the children could respond, a high-pitched tooting sound, almost like a mini trumpet, came from inside the cave. Toot, toot, toot! Clarence sighed heavily. Yes, Melia, 
he said in exhausted tones. We have visitors. Just as he uttered these words, a bundle of energy and sound whizzed out from the cave and came to a stop in front of the sleuths. Zelly, Zav and Milo stared, open-mouthed, at a tiny, bright pink dragon with eyes the colour of granite and matching black claws. She was grinning at them, her expression full of mischief. Toot, toot, toot! She trumpeted, blowing smoke from her nostrils and whizzing herself about like a mini whirlwind. This, said Clarence slowly, is the princess's new dragon, Melia. And he gazed up to the heavens as if asking what he could possibly have done to deserve this punishment. The sleuths were still staring at the whirling pink creature in absolute astonishment. New dragon, repeated Milo, but why? Clarence is finding it difficult to move around these days, said Rochenda in a low voice, looking fondly at the old creature. Perhaps it's just because he's so old, whispered Zav. Maybe, agreed the princess. He's finding Melia a real handful, and she's sapping what energy he has left out of him. I'm not surprised, replied Zelly, watching the tiny dragon in awe. Toot, toot, toot! Melia was now thrashing about in the moat and breathing smoke before flying over to Richenda, showering everyone with drops of water from her scaly wings. She's a handful. Ooh, that smoke's hot. You'd better make sure she knows how to control it when it becomes fire. Yeah, good point, agreed Richenda. Clarence is a strict taskmaster and Melia is learning, she sighed. It's just taking rather a long time. Toot, toot, toot! Almost as if she knew the princess was talking about her, Melia zoomed down and sprayed the sluice with a mouthful of swamp water, cackling with glee at their astonished faces. Claren wants her to be trained to stay with me at all times, said Richenda, rather glumly. He says she'll keep me safe, but at the moment I think she's more likely to cause me trouble. And she doesn't like Abatha at all. I noticed how Abatha stays high in the trees, said Milo, looking at Richenda's parrot, who was fluttering high, out of the dragon's reach. Maybe she just needs time to grow up. And Clarence is right about her being a brilliant bodyguard when she's older, added Zav. Even Count Zuto wouldn't tangle with a dragon. But they do look hard to train, he agreed, as Melia pulled back the branch of a nearby tree and let it go, aiming it at Zav's head. Indeed, snorted Clarence, who had had quite enough of Melia's showing off and batted her away as Melia shot some smoke at him, giggling cheekily. That's the problem, the older dragon continued. And you must beware, princess. A dragon's loyalty cannot be controlled. Melia may well choose to be loyal to another. Indeed said Clarence quietly, a frown forming on his deeply lined forehead as he looked at the fizzing pink shape careering from tree to tree in an attempt to catch Abatha. She may already have chosen another. The sluice looked at each other, puzzled. Oh, Clarence, don't worry. Milo's right. It'll just be her age, said Richenda brightly, trying to cheer the ancient dragon up. Clarence now looked thoroughly depressed. We will see he replied heavily, looking at the baby dragon who was now spitting up water from the swamp like a fountain. Only time will tell. And with that, he moved slowly back into the shelter of his cave, his bones creaking loudly. Toot, toot, toot! 
trumpeted Melia, splashing delightedly in the murky swamp and splattering herself with mud. The children left before they could be similarly decorated and made their way back into the bright sunshine of the main gardens. I wonder where Anna is, thought Zelie aloud. I wish we knew what was happening. Anna, as it happened, had reached the Sinclair's house in Sandopolis and had hidden herself by an open window to watch. She had sensed a gathering of darkness as she approached the house and was very careful to keep herself hidden. As she peeped over the window ledge into the kitchen, she saw a very unusual sight indeed. Professor Raoul Sinclair, the twins' father, was gesturing angrily towards two figures who stood with their backs to Anna. The little bird had never heard him say a crossword to anyone, let alone seen anything like the fury with which he was addressing his visitors. His son, Albie, who assisted him with his inventions, was standing further back, and he looked frightened. As Anna gazed on the scene, she noticed that one of the visitors with their backs to her was immensely tall, and the other was tiny. Anna's little heart nearly stopped. It was Count Zuto and Countess Rosina Contuti, enemies to the people of Sandlandia and cronies of the evil Prince Igor. You will come with us, Professor, Zuto was saying, malice in every syllable, because Prince Igor requires your help. Let me assure you, you have no choice in the matter, the Countess joined in. It's best to, how does the old phrase go, come quietly. The professor laughed almost hysterically. Come quietly, come quietly, he repeated. Are you totally mad? Me, give my services, my expertise, my brain to that usurping, evil, immoral. That will do, interrupted Zuto coolly, and the countess sashayed over to the professor beckoning Albie to her, staring at both of them intently. "'You would like to come with us,' she said calmly. "'You have realised, on further reflection, "'that the right thing to do is to come with us.'" At her final words, Albie and the professor's eyes went cloudy and their expressions slipped, almost as if a change had taken place behind their eyes. Why, we would love to come with you and help, the professor cried, a broad grin of delight on his face, though his eyes seemed rather glazed over. Wouldn't we, Albie? His son had a similarly bright smile fixed on his face as he nodded his head too. But again, Anna's beady eyes could see a strange blankness in his expression. The Countess put out her arm for the Professor to take, and he did so almost mechanically, beckoning his son to follow him, and, with one last searing look around from Rosina's penetrating eyes, they all walked out, through the front door, and away down the street. Anna stared, uncomprehending, at the backs of the Professor and his son, stunned. Then she bolted back to the palace to report. Mistress, she gasped as soon as she had arrived. Something very strange has happened. I, I don't understand. The children listened to Anna's story open-mouthed. When she'd finished, they looked at each other, horror-struck. 
But Pa would never go with them, cried Zav. He doesn't trust Count Zuto an inch. He's sure the Contutis are trying to steal his inventions. What if they're trying to steal new technology again, cried Zali. The talker listener, the illuminators, everything is in Pa's head. Who knows how powerful Prince Igor could be if he had all of that behind him? Well, we know they wouldn't go with the Contutis willingly, so there's only one explanation, said Milo grimly. The Professor and Albie must have been hoodwinked. And little did anyone realise that Countess Rosina had also spotted Anna. Her sharp gaze had spied the slight fluttering at the window as they had turned to leave with the Professor, and her eyes had narrowed. I will get that bird, she hissed under her breath, if it's the last thing I do. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Chapter 3, Sleuths on the Case. Want to read along? Super Sleuths Book 4, The Black Castle, is available now on Kindle. Enjoy today's chapter, rate our podcast, and leave a message telling us who your favourite character is. See you next time!